welcome to Living at the Speed of Light, the bipolar podcast. I'm Katie and I live in Reading, UK with my lovely partner Jimmy and my very bitey cat Tilly. I have bipolar type 1 and I was diagnosed in 2012. So recently I started this podcast mainly because I've written a book, Living at the Speed of Light, Navigating Life with Bipolar Disorder, from depression to mania and everything in between. It explores my own journey and experiences of living with bipolar, but I thought there's tons of memoirs out there. What I couldn't find was a no-nonsense guide to bipolar disorder from someone like me with actual real lived experience, so I decided to write one. It's out right now, and I felt it would be A really cute, nice idea to start an accompanying podcast, including some of the themes I cover in the book. So I cover things like um, learning to live with stability, uh, relationships, general life, work, friendships, education, stigma and discrimination. I obviously cover the main symptoms of bipolar such as depression, hypermania, mania and psychosis. And there's also a whole chapter just for family and friends and caregivers. And it explores what they can do to help. And at the end of the day, we um, all want tips and advice for managing bipolar and how to live life and find stability because ultimately that's what we all want. Today I'm going to talk about money because I think money is a huge issue for people living with bipolar disorder, definitely. So I've always thought that money is a bizarre concept. We all want more of it and often our relationship with it can turn into this obsession and it can be sort of a fear-inducing nightmare almost sometimes when we don't have much of it. I always feel like, you know, it's important to have a certain amount of vigilance regarding our money and spending habits, that's healthy. But with bipolar, what happens often is that self-control just disappears for months on end. And that's when things get bad. And mania is that thing where you often overspend. And for me particularly, I, I really struggled with that. Mainly because I'm far from materialistic. My life does not revolve around having a nice car or a big house, having the best clothes, having designer bags, all that kind of thing. It just isn't. I'm more about um, fostering important relationships and having a good time and enjoying myself rather than needing stuff. Growing up, I was taught the value of money and we didn't have much money when I was growing up. Um, and it was weird because we, we lived in a really um, middle class area, but we didn't have much money. And it, it was, it felt very evident <laughs> that we, we had less than the people around us in our life. And living in a politically minded left wing home, where we often had to make do without, I learned that life and living meant more than the consumption of goods. That attitude has never abated and I find myself needing new clothes, for instance, 
when my current ones are worn out or torn, not how other people need that designer bag or the latest phone. So it was strange to me when during my early 20s especially, certain aspects of my decision-making became irrational, especially around money. I found myself in this um, wonderful but intense relationship. During that time, I was a student. Then after that, I was earning a measly salary, but I spent like crazy. I I studied after I dropped out of uni. I, I studied to do uh, childcare. And um, I got my MVQ free in childcare education, went off to work in nurseries. If you ever worked in a day nursery, you know the pay is terrible. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, so I was a poor student and then was earning not very much at all. I think my first job I was earning um, entry level was about 13, one free grand a year, which is nothing. Despite this, at one point, I had four credit cards and two store cards. The difference here from needing things, wanting things, was that I just didn't think about the consequences. It became impulsive, this impulsive obsession. For example, my laptop screen cracked. Rational me would have weighed up whether the current laptop was still usable, and if not, could I live without one or could I afford a new one? At the time, I couldn't afford to replace it, but I marched into town and I just bought the first one I saw. The relationship I was in was difficult as neither of us had much privacy. We were both in our very early 20s and both lived at home. So I would book hotels for the weekends to give us that bit of privacy. I paid for us both for a week away in the Cotswolds, for instance, when I was like, I can't afford this. Oh well, never mind. This spending stopped very suddenly. And then I found myself in this sort of deep depression where I thought, what have I done? I've spent all this money. What is going on? Why did I do this? Um, And the relationship stopped very soon after that. Um, May have been connected with the fact that I was very depressed and they couldn't handle the massive change in, in how I was acting, which is a whole other story for another time. And then a year or so later, I'd moved on, got a better job, but I still had these credit cards to pay off. So out of the blue, I just decided I'm going to go to Japan on my own. And, you know, I was uh, 22. just thought, yeah, I'll do it. I'm young. Why not? But the problem with that was there was no way in hell I could afford it. Uh, (laughs) I was on at that point, I was on about 15 grand a year. I had zero savings, I was already in debt up to my eyeballs, and it was just ridiculous that I thought, yeah, let's go, let's do this. I was very sheepish with people around me about how much money I had and how much I had in debt, um, because I was embarrassed. So when I did this out of the blue, nobody really batted an eyelid, they just thought, oh, okay, she's young, why not? go for it if she can, if she can afford it, do it. So I spent time, when I was in Japan, I travelled in Tokyo and Kyoto and I had an amazing time. I loved 
every minute of it. I went on my own, I gained so much confidence in myself, it was fantastic. Everything though went on the credit card. The hotels, nights out, presents for friends and family, I wasn't concerned about the money I was spending. I was just driven by this compulsion to do whatever the hell I wanted. And then when I got home, I just decided that I was going to move out. I wanted my own place. I'd never lived on my own, never had my own space. I grew up in a house that was just full of people. I grew up sharing rooms with my uh, brothers or foster children. My parents worked as foster carers. So there were always people in my space. So I didn't have my own space. So that was like my goal for most of my life was to have my own room where I could be on my own and do what I wanted. And I was like, I'm working. I've got a full-time job. I can do this. I couldn't afford it at all. So I, firstly, I convinced my uncle that he would be a guarantor for me. Unfortunately, my parents couldn't help me out with that, so I had to ask my uncle. Convinced him it was a good idea. <laughs> and then um, somehow I had the enough bravado to convince the estate agent that I could afford it. How, I don't know. And as you can imagine, it went horribly, horribly wrong. I was there for about a year, maybe a year and a bit, and I could just about afford the rent, but that was it. If I wanted to go out and enjoy myself, I was like, what would I rather do? Would I rather pay the heating bill or would I rather go out? So I ended up hardly eating and spending one of the coldest winters I had ever experienced in a freezing flat as the gas meter forever needed topping up. It was um, probably the coldest winter I'd, we'd ever had. We had a huge, in Reading, we had this huge snowstorm where everyone got stuck. Never experienced snow like it. And I couldn't afford to pay gas to heat my flat. And I was spending about £11 a week on food. So I lost a lot of weight. Definitely not in a healthy way. I don't know if you ever lived somewhere where it gets so cold, everything's damp and wet and like wet because it's so cold. That's what would happen every night. So it was horrible. <laughs> but I was manic, so I didn't care. <laughs> I think about it now and think, how, how did I live there? How did I get through that winter? I don't, I don't know. My um, boyfriend at the time, he's now my partner, husband, whatever you want to call him, um, person I live with, <laughs> um, would come over and just be like, let me, let me pay for your gas meter. Let me pay for your heating. What the hell? It's so cold in here. You just need, like, let me put 10 quid on it. And I was sort of adamant that I didn't want him to spend his money on me because I wanted to do everything myself. So yeah, I was remarkably happy that whole time until all that confidence and that euphoria left me again. Obviously, when you do all this spending, it means you eventually have to deal with the consequences. It catches up to you. I'm highlighting this time in my life because 
the aftermath of that spending, whilst I was manic, was just desperate. I think it was around Christmas time. And um, I went in to do Christmas shopping. Went in and... I can't remember what I was buying. I was buying something for my mum and went in to pay and my card got declined. And I was like, oh shit. But I was still manic at the time. So I didn't really care. I was just like, okay, fine. Just left. I think it was like a dressing gown or something I bought her. Just left it on the counter. I was like, okay, whatever. I walked out. And then met up with my uh, boyfriend and his mates and had a good time. Um, got them all to buy me drinks. Because that's what you do when you're manic. You get everyone to do everything for you. As I mentioned earlier, I had four credit cards, two store cards. And I couldn't afford to pay them off. Another issue with bipolar is often you just put things aside or... You think, especially with mania, you think, I'm too good for this. I don't need to pay my debts. I don't need to pay my credit card bill. It will magically work itself out. Or in my case, I was like, I can't really afford to pay it. Um, I'm not going to tell them that. I'm just going to ignore it until they start threatening me with bailiffs. And then sort of laughing at the latter and thinking, yeah, whatever. They won't do that to me. I'm special. That's mania. Being delusional that you think the rules don't apply to you and that you're really important. And like as if a credit card company wouldn't come after you because you owe them thousands of pounds. The amount of debt I had accumulated was eye-watering. I mean... I can't remember exactly how much it was because I was in denial about it. I was embarrassed about it for a long time. But I was in my overdraft and I had a £1,200 overdraft limit and I had reached that limit. I also had probably about £12,000 in credit card debt, in store card debt. So all in all, yeah, about 13, no, 16,000 pounds. Also doesn't help that I'm terrible at maths. (laughs) Obviously, I had to give up my flat and I had to move back in with my parents. And I know that, like, I'm so lucky that I could actually do that. And it's scary to me that if there wasn't room for me there, then where the hell would I have gone? What would I have done? I hadn't been with my boyfriend very long, probably about four months. And I was so desperate to stay in my flat. I said to him, why don't you come live here? And I just remember the fear on his face. <laughs> like, oh my God, no, I don't want to move in with you yet. It was very funny. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was desperate. I didn't want to go back. Um, pretty much spent the next, oh, how many years? one and a half to two years sharing pretty much a room with my younger brother so that was great as a 22 year old it was brilliant (laughs) so yeah that happened when I was like 22 23 and I'm still paying off that debt because although I've been in employment for most of that time 
um, I haven't ever earned a huge amount of money. Um, I've worked in, um, I worked for children's services, for instance, and you don't make much money working for a local council. And of course, new debt has been added to that because this happened, oh, maths again. Um, How old am I? I'm 35, which is horrible to say. I hate that. Yeah, I'm 35 and this happened when I was 22, so you do the maths. Obviously, I'm going to have more manic episodes during that time, and I did. So I accumulated more debt, which is great. That's sarcasm. Although I regret the inevitable stress I put myself through when I eventually gained perspective over the debt I'd accumulated, I don't regret the experiences I had. I find it difficult to explain why I continue to spend. I was not in denial. I knew what I was doing. I just didn't care or worry. I knew that everything would turn into sunshine, lollipops and electro rainbow kittens. I don't know. Looking back on these occasions now, I was definitely 100% unwell. I exhibited other behaviours that were not me, or I felt weren't part of my personality. So I exhibited other behaviours that were not me, or I felt that like my personality, so my, um, my passions, ambitions, were all amplified. In short, I was not my usual self. If you can hear that noise in the background, it's my cat. Tilly, stop it, you wanna go outside? You wanna go outside? I'm recording a podcast, aren't you? Go on, go out, bye. Where was I? Since then, I have become much more self-aware. Sometimes I need others to be aware for me though. That is easier said than done, as when I do spend excessively, I'm in high spirits, and I believe that none of my decisions could possibly be wrong. So for instance, parcel after parcel will appear on the doorstep, my partner feeling exasperated at the amount of money I'm spending yet again. I've gone to extremes, such as cutting my credit cards up and then shredding them to stop myself from spending. When I've been worried that mania is coming on and that's what I'm going to do. I've also given my partner my cards so I don't spend when I go out. I thought about closing my PayPal account because it makes it far too easy to spend money online. I've thought about putting website blockers on my uh, laptop that only my partner has the password for because obviously if I put a website blocker on my own laptop, I would put the password in. So whenever I was manic, I would just put the password in, take it all off. But I thought maybe if my partner has the passcode, then I can't access my favorite shopping sites that I spend too much money on. I think overspending during mania is often overlooked, especially from outside sort of the mental health community and people that are aware of bipolar and what it's about. It's seen as not as harmful as other symptoms, but in my experience, it has exacerbated stressful situations. 
when I've returned to sort of some form of stability or become depressed. And it can have real lasting effects on the way you live your life. Now, what really upsets me is how I was preyed on by companies when I was extremely vulnerable and ill. So for instance, one time I was in the town centre and I was approached by a salesperson on the street and I was absolutely wired. I was full of this manic energy. I couldn't stop talking. It was obvious something was wrong and that I was very unwell. If you spent time with me, even like a couple of minutes with me, you knew I wasn't right. Even if you were a complete stranger, you knew something's not right with this person. This salesperson, they used my impulsiveness against me and with very little convincing, got me to sign up for a credit card. And I started using it as soon as it arrived. I didn't check the APR before signing up, which was ridiculous. It was extortionate. Impulsiveness reigns supreme when I'm manic and I'd sign up for pretty much anything if it was offered to me. Every time I was asked to sign up for a store card, I did it. And I started using it straight away. Obviously, when you're impulsive like that, you're not going to go, hmm, I wonder what the APR is on this. I wonder, you know, the interest on it. You don't. You don't think of that. How long is it going to take me to pay this off? You don't think. That's the point. Something I've been thinking about a lot is there must be some way of prohibiting people when they're manic from signing up for credit cards or taking out a big loan. I don't know how this would work, but... It would definitely have saved me a huge amount of stress and worry about money. The stress alone has made me ill and I've become severely depressed because of it. I can definitely understand it making someone feel suicidal when you're in so much debt and the banks aren't listening to you, the credit card companies aren't listening to you, that it is unbelievably stressful and you could not want to be here anymore because you can't see a way out. I still overspend when I'm manic. Although now I don't have access to my credit cards unless I really need to use them. I've handed them over to my partner because I can't trust myself with them when I'm ill. But what if you have no partner or anyone you can trust to understand the problem? I don't know what the solution is but Companies and banks should be ashamed at how easy it is to qualify for loans and credit cards. And it's something I really want to look into, so watch this space. It's something that I'm going to be working on in the next year or so. So I'm looking forward to doing a bit of research. So if anyone wants to help me out with that, that'll be great. So that's it for episode five of Living at the Speed of Light. As always, I'd love to hear your comments about the podcast. You can leave me a cheeky review if you want to on iTunes. Let me know if there's a subject you'd like me to cover in future episodes. And as always, you can connect with me on Instagram. I'm at Katie Connie Bear Writer or Twitter at Katie Connie Bear. Thanks so much. See you soon.